supposed to greet uh, everybody by live stream. It's in my notes, but I want to do a specific shout out to Pastor Jason and Melanie who are in bed in Lake Fenton right now because they're on staycation. How many guys say good morning, Pastor Jason? Good morning, Melanie. Wish you guys hadn't backslid. Amen. Good. Uh, we are finally here. We have been working now for seven weeks to get to this place in the story and the narrative of the gospel. And really, um, I'm hitting the button. Nothing happened up there. So you need to change that screen, guys. My screen's right. That screen's wrong. So if you'd fix that, tech people. Um, what, what we're doing is we're going to see what the, the Old Testament says is a foreshadowing. In the Bible, it talks about how uh, everything that happens in the Old Testament, all the stuff in Leviticus with the laws, all the animal sacrifices, all the stories, all the narratives, all the prophets. It's almost as if there's a shadow that's being cast. Now, if you were over here looking at the shadow, let's say you're in Genesis and you see that the, uh, the serpent's head will be crushed and uh, the, the, the you know, son of man's heel will be bruised, one of the first prophetic scriptures about the redemption of mankind through Jesus Christ. You'd see just the beginning, the outline of that head. And as it progressed through the law, you begin to see a neck and shoulders. You'd see that there's going to be animal sacrifice required, that, that something innocent is going to have to die for someone guilty in order to bring peace between a holy God and unholy people. Are you still with me? Then you see the torso start to form, and you see the prophets coming and saying, there's one who's coming. There's one who's coming. It's not just his head. It's not just a neck. It's not just shoulders. It's not just a torso. There's one who's casting the shadow, and he's on his way as we speak. He's going to be here any day. Be prepared the way of the Lord. And as all of a sudden Jesus comes into sight, it's not just a shadow anymore. It's substance. How many of you guys know the whole world should go, yay, God? Like, it's, it's, not, it's not just a shadow. It's not just stories. It's not just history and wars and kings and prophets. It's Jesus. All of Scripture points to one person. All of Scripture up to this point leads to one person. And now the New Testament, the New Covenant that is formed, and we'll talk about that and, and what the New Covenant and the difference from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, we're going to see that, that really everything in Leviticus, everything in Deuteronomy, even the stuff in Numbers, <laughs> where Barney begat Bam Bam, the begat pebbles that began, you know what I mean? Like it all comes together in the person of Jesus Christ. Now the Gospels, or what we call the Gospels, are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I think that's fairly common knowledge. But who are these people? Just briefly, Matthew was a disciple of Jesus. He worked for the IRS. Um, he was a tax collector for Rome. Everybody say boo. I'm sorry. If you work for the IRS, I'm just kidding. You can get saved today, though. And the, the uh, I'm sorry, a little. Sorry, never mind. Anyway, you get me my phone. But uh, he wasn't a good guy. And Jesus says, I choose you. Mark was, was not one of the disciples. He was actually the nephew of a guy named Barnabas we'll meet uh, next week in the book of Acts when Pastor Carl's speaking again. And Barnabas, the son of encouragement, is responsible directly for mentoring or leading or connecting people that wrote three-quarters of the New Testament words. He never wrote a book, but he was attached to Paul who wrote three-quarters of the New Testament books and John Mark, his nephew, who we'll learn about next week. But um, amazing, amazing stuff. Luke is a physician. Um, and uh, he writes more of a historical, accurate account. Not that anything's inaccurate, but he's, he's writing as a historian would write. Matthew wrote to the Jews. That's why there's all the begats. Had to make sure he was the son of Abraham and the son of David in order to fulfill the prophecies. Mark is writing the Gentiles, so it's all about chase scenes and gunfights. 
If you read the book, the Gospel of Mark, it says over and over again, they were astounded. They were amazed. Why? Because he's writing to people that were, were warrior types. They needed to see something that was PG-13. They needed to see something that had blood in it and scars and battles and casting out demons and forgiving prostitutes and crazy stuff. So, and then Luke comes along and says, and this happened on Thursday, you know, to make sure everybody, everything's accurate. And John comes along, and I don't know what to say about John, except he's, he's a snuggler. And... Uh, and he used to be a fisherman, and now he's a snuggler, and Jesus has had a tremendously profound effect on his life. They all had their perspective. They all saw Jesus. They all tell the story from the perspective. All those perspectives, instead of being like this, this one perspective, we get these four that show us really more of what really was happening in the life of Jesus and, and really what the Gospels are. Now, in order to understand what the Gospels are, you have to understand the word gospel. The word gospel means what? It's just good news. Good news. Good news, finally. How many of you guys know that before Jesus, there was no happy endings to any story? Maybe they worked it out, and maybe there was a miracle of healing, and maybe they got fed, and maybe they won the war. But in the end, it was always sickness, death, and no promises beyond that. And the, it was like, yes, they got married, and they lived happily ever after. If anybody ever said that before Jesus, they were lying or telling a fable, because there was no happily ever after before Jesus. When Jesus comes along, all of a sudden, there's this, not just this life that can be blessed, but this death that's eventual for all, and this rebirth into an eternal kingdom. So um, the good news is good news for the following reasons. Number one is there's some bad news. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, if you look at the original language, the word all, you may know what the word all means in that sentence? All. There's nobody that's like good enough to stand before a holy God and say, I deserve to be in heaven, so which room is mine? All of mankind understands on a conscious or subconscious level that we ain't all that in a bag of chips. We, we, we hide it by wearing certain clothes, by using certain words, by driving certain cars, by living in certain ways, by philosophies. And what, what are we doing? We're all trying to be okay with who we really are, when in the end we're not supposed to be okay with who we are. We're supposed to cry out for a Savior. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Anybody say, I've never sinned? Well, then please walk on water to the front of the room and tell us how you did that. But for the rest of us to get into water and just sink like a bulldog without a life jacket, you have to understand that, that we have a need of a Savior. Not only have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the wages, the payday of those choices we make with our free will to walk away from God causes the separation from he who is life. The wages of sin is? It's death. It's right there. So here's the dilemma, and here's the problem. How can God, who must judge what is wrong, judge those whom he loves in such a way as not to destroy what he loves because it's filled with what he hates? And the answer is this. We find it in Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman and born under law. Are you guys still here? Why is that important? Born of a woman. Understand, Jesus' father is not Joseph. Jesus' father is God. We see this in the, the Gospel of Luke where he details that the Holy Spirit shall overshadow Mary, that that, that which is conceived in her is from the Lord. So it wasn't the, the will of man. It wasn't a biological exchange of fluids and so forth. What it was was God said, I now breathe inside of you life. And by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is conceived in physical form inside the womb of Mary. Then he is, he is uh, you know, develops, kicks, you know, it turns all over. I was, I was watching people that, that are pregnant recently, and I said, how are you doing? They're like, you know, he tap dances on my bladder at 3 a.m. every night, you know? She has this relationship with Jesus in the womb. And God's solution is to, to our dilemma is Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, born under law. Now, why is under law important? You have to understand, Jesus comes being able to be tempted in every way that we're tempted, yet without sin. 
Everything that trips us up, if it trips him up, he's no longer qualified to be a sacrifice for our sins. He's as guilty as we are. Do you see the risk? Come on, do you see the risk? So God is, by faith, sowing a seed, sending his son, saying, if you defeat it all, then you are qualified to become a sacrifice for them all. But if you stumble in any way where they stumbled, any place Jesus stumbles, he cannot redeem. If he's, if he's under the same curse, then, then he cannot redeem us. I cannot buy from my debt uh, you out of your debt. I must have substance to buy you out. So here's the good news. Number one is this. He's born of a virgin. I see this um, in the gospel. We'll get here in just a moment. That's all Matthew. But after he'd considered this, this is Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. How many of you guys know that after you consider something, if an angel shows up, it's kind of the end of the considering part of that? All right? He appeared to him in a dream, and he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And the name Jesus means our God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said. Remember, through the prophets, that shadow that was coming, here comes the substance in Jesus. Through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel literally means God with us. That's Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, as read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. So this is to fulfill prophecy. This is to make sure that the bloodline is, is the blood of the Father. It's the blood of God. It's, it's holy. It's it's. Uh, it's irreverent to say God in a bod, but I mean, it's, it's the fullness of the Godhead into a body in Jesus Christ. The bloodline is divine. He's born with no inheritance sin. So you see that as we're setting up this animal sacrifice we learned about in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers, now we're seeing that animal sacrifice shadow being cast by the substance of Jesus Christ who will die for our sins. Um, he lived a sinless life. Why is this important? Because if he didn't, he can't rescue us from what he himself is a prisoner to. So for this... First Peter 1.18. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ. A lamb, see the language there, Leviticus? The lamb without blemish or defect. Nowhere in the Bible or in secular history that I've ever found does anyone rightfully accuse Jesus of lying, of stealing, of adultery, of murder, of giving a left hook to somebody in anger. All throughout the testimony of who Jesus was and what Jesus did, whether, whether it's a, a biblical account or it's a secular account, there are false accusations made against him, and those are clearly false, and both history and scripture detail what the falsities of those are, but no one ever said, you know, hey, he, he knocked up my sister. Like, like, no one ever said that. Never said, hey, he got drunk, you know, at the prom when, when Jeru Yu had the reunion, he was hammered that night, and no one ever said that. You guys still here? So it's important that he has a sinless life. Why? Because he cannot take away sins if he himself is a prisoner to sins. So he taught and displayed the kingdom of God. I love this verse, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming this good news of the kingdom of God and healing every disease and sickness. Please hear me. Jesus did not just come to forgive sins. He came to display a kingdom. Does this make sense? 
what God intended for mankind was forfeited by Adam and Eve in the garden. There's a long season of human history where we're just trying to figure it out, just getting frustrated, being led, being instructed, but blowing it on every occasion. As often in the book of Kings where somebody rises up and is a good king, the very next chapter is, and then they were followed by King, you know, Dumpy Face that, that did a terrible thing, and then they go into captivity, and they get run over by the Philistines, and then they repent. There's this cycle, and some of you may recognize it, where, man, I feel really good. I'm right with God. Everything's good. So good, in fact, I don't really think I need him. Ouch, I fell. Wow, I'm in pain. Man, there's difficulties. I repent. Ah, I feel so good to be back right with God. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? The cycle, right? So they go through that again and again and again. Why? Because they're, they're, they're being human and they're sinning and they're being forgiven and they're being redeemed. Forgiven and redeemed. Forgiven and redeemed. Forgiven and redeemed. Sin, sin, righteousness by grace. Sin, sin. And he brings us to this place where mankind is supposed to be saying, can we just get off the cycle of blowing it? Is there someone, is there something greater than me that can rescue me from me? And that's the argument of Romans chapter 7. So Jesus starts destroying the works of the devil. He, he literally, somebody's blind, and he walks up, spits in the mud, because he hears the Holy Spirit saying, spit in mud, the Father says, do this, and he does it in obedience, just as he'll ask us to act in obedience, and he makes mud, he puts it on the eyes, go wash, he can see, there's demons that come out, there's dead people that are raised, there's children that are raised from the dead, there, there's teachings that are amazing. It's almost like, like, like a whole world's blind, and Jesus comes and says, there's another world and I want to bring it here in substance so you can see it, feel it, taste it, and hunger for it. And he teaches these 12 disciples and these 120 other disciples. And he says, this one, I'm gone. It's your job to take the same spirit I'm operating in, the same voice of the Father that I can hear, and go out into the world and do great stuff to display. Don't just talk about how good God is, but not be able to display the power and authority and goodness of God in the real world. You guys still hear it? It's tough stuff, but it's important, right? Jesus teaches us to pray by saying, let your kingdom let your will be done on, just like it is in. That is the reality of life on this side of the cross, where Jesus has made a sacrifice, we're innocent, we're filled with the Spirit. We'll get into that in just a moment. But it, we, we are to display, we're to represent the life of Christ to a longing world. He, uh, he dies a substitutionary death. And this is where we get to the sacrifice part of the gospel. You see, at just the right time, Paul says, we were still powerless. Christ died for who? How many of you guys qualify for this? How good do I have to be before God will forgive me? At just the right time, while well, I was powerless, we were powerless, Christ died for who? The ungodly. Very rarely will someone jump on a grenade for a righteous person, though possibly for good, that word can actually mean perfect person. Someone might say, well, you know, Mother Teresa's life is more important than mine. I'll, I'll, I'll give her my heart, and she can have it translated in her heart. But it says this, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You guys still here? Look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. But he, Jesus, has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Are you guys still here? Man, if that's not good news, I don't know what is. God sends his son to look like us, talk like us, be tempted like us. His son, because of obedience, walking in the authority of the, of the word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, avoids all sins that would make him less than God. And then instead of saying, aha, see, now you're all condemned to hell. I did it. You could have done it. You chose not to. I chose to. I showed you the right way, and you're on your own. Instead, he says, now I will lay down my life to become a sacrifice for all mankind, once sacrifice for all. He offers himself for the sins of all mankind, all mankind, once 
and for all. I had somebody the other day, a sweet lady, she was asking me some questions about stuff back in the guest room. She said, I, I just have a question about the whole sacrificing Jesus stuff. And I said, yeah, what is that? She said, I, I would really find it difficult if I've ever came to a point of faith to trust a God who, who is a father who executes his son. Uh, how could you trust someone that would do such a horrible thing? And I said, well, let's find out why. Why would he do such a thing? And I, I came back and I said, do you have any children? She said, yeah, I have one. I said, what would you do for that kid? Like if she needed a kidney and you had two, would you give her one? She said, yeah. If, if she needed a lung and you had two, would you give her one? She said, yeah. I said, now be honest. If she needed a heart and you had one, would you give her one? She said, yeah. I said, it's funny. You didn't have to pray about it, did you? You didn't have to think about it. You didn't have to like get a bunch of coaching and teaching and counseling. Like because of your love for your child and children, you would do anything to keep them safe, to keep them alive. I said, for God so loved the world that he took the heart, the beating, pure, holy heart of his son and transplanted it well, along with a blood transfusion to all mankind, whoever would believe. You hear what I'm saying? Guys, if you think God is not for you, you are not reading the gospels of Jesus Christ. You're believing lies. And I understand pain makes lies more believable. Frustration, discouragement, curses, bitterness, unforgiveness. People make lies so believable. But if you could just cut through all of that and not raise it up against the knowledge of God, but to cast down those lies because of the knowledge of God and say, I am uniquely and divinely loved. God loves me so much that the thought of heaven and forever without me was, was unthinkable. So he did the unimaginable, sent his son to defeat everything for me and die in my place. Can, can I tell you that there's even better news than that? You guys still here? There's even better news than that. He resurrected on the third day, defeating death, hell, and the grave. Now, because the wages of sin is death, the, the authority that death has is directly attached to what we do wrong. Death has a right to destroy us because destruction comes with sin. You don't believe that? Sin in your marriage, see what happens. Sin in your finances, see what happens. Sin in your friendship, see what happens. As soon as, you'll, you'll agree with this, right? As soon as sin enters, something dies. If it was alive, it's hindered, it's, it's hobbled, it's, it even dies. Why? Because sin has a destructive effect. But so Jesus laying down his life willingly to be crucified in our place, death has no legal hold to his body because death only has authority through sin. Jesus, not sinning, has the right to be raised from the dead, sinless, having defeated death, hell, and the grave, and then becoming the firstborn of many sons that through the blood and forgiveness of Christ shall come back from the grave as well and ascend to be at the right hand of the Father. You guys still here? So good stuff, right? The authority, the authority is broken because Jesus supersedes that authority through sacrifice. As further proof of his sinless life, God raised him from the dead, and the devil can't do jack. You guys like that word jack, don't you? After this, he ascends to the right hand of the Father. Um, we see this in Luke chapter 24, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany. He lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Is that just the coolest thing ever? I just, I just picture him kind of, I, I bless you, and all of a sudden, he's, they're, they're receiving the blessing, all of a sudden his voice seems a little bit distant, and they look up, and he's not there. Like, does that just put the cherry on the Sunday? You know what I mean? And there he goes through the clouds, and one of the other gospels, a guy shows up, Justin White, presumably a theophany or an angel, and he shows up and says, you're the same Jesus you saw go that way? Someday he's coming back again. The same way he went, he's coming back. It's just this incredible good news and how God ties it all together for us that we can clearly see this. But how many of you guys know that's not even the end of the good news? Are you still here? Because now 
He sends the Holy Spirit to live inside and empower all believers. Guess what? It's your turn. Part of the gospel is not just my sins are forgiven, glad that's over with. Part of the gospel is now you get to be a part of this redemptive story to mankind. One of the things that excites me the most, and I, I have a grandson, I'm happily married, God has blessed me, but you know something that just will never get old to me? It's when somebody, the light comes on and they see Jesus and they realize, I don't mean they see him, but they see him and all of a sudden it's all real. It's not a story. It's not a Christmas tale. It's not Charlie Brown and Linus with a blanket saying, lights please. All of a sudden, it's, it's the defining moment of their life, and generations of curses are broken in an instant of grace, and they're born again, and they see that, that who they are is this most shocking, beautiful, unimaginable. I'm sorry. It's fun. I've done it in Haiti. I've done it in Mexico. God's been able to, you know, use this message through this broken vessel in Jamaica and Serbia, and I've just, every time someone comes to the Lord, it's just, it just never gets old. Every time I see what God does for somebody else that he's done for me, a part of me is kind of rejuvenated in that. So God doesn't say, listen, make sure you invite your friends to church so that Pastor Jim can lead them to Jesus. God says, it's time for all of us to play. If you have been redeemed, you know the path. If you know the truth and it sets you free, you need to teach other people the truth. He sins the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You're going to receive power. Everybody say power. You probably know this by now, but the word power is the word dunamis from which we get our word dynamite. It isn't like Plug your ears. If you're falling asleep, you're about to wake up. It's power! You shall receive kaboom! Not... I just love that song. Oh, I, when Kyle leads it, I just get goosebumps. Great. You shall receive power. I mean, the power of the place where you get to do things you can't do, say things you didn't know before they came out of your mouth, lay hands on the sick and they recover. I was just talking to one of our staff members the other day. He was praying with somebody. He was wanting to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just crying out, God, I want more, I want more. Tarried with this person for an hour. About 55 minutes into it, he sensed, you know, there's something actually blocking this. And just in a way that wasn't weird or creepy or demonstrative, he just began to bind and loose a couple of things. As soon as he got done doing that, the person was baptized in the Holy Spirit, wet. They talked about it till midnight. Hung out all night talking about why. Because we shall receive power. The power that the staff member had, the power that that person now has, it, it comes from God. I can't give it to you in the sense that it's mine to give away, but I love participating in that, that part where you understand you are more than the sum of your parts. You, you are one multiplied by the infiniteness of an almighty God. And to live that way, an expectation, wake up every morning, instead of saying, oh, good Lord, it's morning, it's good morning, Lord, it is time to kick the devil's butt. It is time to display the blessings of the kingdom of God. It is time to walk in a confidence and a boldness and a power. Your word declares that the righteous shall be as bold as lions. And I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus and what he's done for me, his blood. You see me through the blood as sinless. The spirit of God, the promises of God, the kingdom of God today is mine. And I'm going to take it to the streets. I'm going to take it to the nations. It's a different way to wake up than, see, I hope nothing bad happens today. God, rescue me. How many of you guys know you're not the victim? Here comes my Joel Osteen. You ready? You're not the victim. You're the victor. You're, 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 you're the 800-pound gorilla. You know where an 800-pound gorilla sleeps? Any place he wants. The righteous shall be as bold as 800-pound gorillas. I may have changed that a little bit, but I think you get my point, right? He gives the church the great commission to go and represent or represent him to every nation. What an honor that is. If you've never been on a missions trip... I'm not saying if you had, you know, you're, you're a different level of Christian if you've never been to the third world, but man, when you go to a place where they don't have doctors, they have faith, they don't have hospitals, they have faith, 
They, they, they were not lost, like, oh, we didn't quite know, but we heard the gospel. Never heard the gospel. Animists, multi-theists, that they come to Christ and they get saved. It's, it's incredible to watch God move in them. I'm telling you, you have got to start taking Jesus where you live. You, you will see things that God, you just wouldn't believe it. God gave the church the great commission, go and represent. And uh, it says this in John chapter 20. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he <sighs> breathed on him. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And, and, and get a hold of this. Jesus says, I'm going to be with you every step of the way until there's no more steps to take. Lastly, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news because he offers us this salvation, not through works, not through trying harder next time, not through cycles of being on top but then being defeated and feeling bad enough to repent so we're back on top again, but living life that is abundant, that is full, that is free, that is ours. Sometimes people get a little confused, you know, how, how can I become a Christian? Sometimes I think we have to be careful not to oversimplify it. Well, just, just pray this prayer with me. And I, I, I'm not against praying this prayer with me. Sometimes we don't know what to quite say to God. I mean, you know repeating the foreign syllables of someone else isn't necessarily everything. Come on. You know, repeat after me, you know, Wallachazam. Boom. Okay, it's not a spell to get you out of hell. It's a covenant. I, I, just because the wedding we did up here yesterday, just because the bride and the groom repeated certain words after me, how many guys know if, if they don't mean those words, it doesn't matter what I said. I mean, they had to say better and worse, richer and poorer, sickness and health. Even though they're like 12 and they have no idea what those words mean, they will. You know, they'll, they'll be married long enough to realize there's betters and worses and richers and poorers and sickness and health. But they, they took a vow to each other that established a covenant made out of words, just like, just like God made the heavens and the earth out of words. Our words to God, his words to us create what wasn't there just a moment before. It destroys what was and replaces it with what God wants. If you're here today and you don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ, he was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died an atoning death. He rose from the dead on the third day and now he offers to you the offer of relationship. Not religion. Covenant. Exchanging of rings. Relationship. I was 16 years old when I walked into a rock concert. I went not looking for God, but looking towards the girl that invited me to the rock concert. I was lost. I was scared. I lived in constant fear. Because when the phone rang back in those days, there was only a few options. Either it was AT&T wanting you back, or it was the principal saying, Jim hasn't been at school in the last three weeks. And my parents would find out. Or it was the girl's father that said, you and I need to have a conversation. There was the drug dealer I owed money to. There was the police looking for me. Or it was, how many of us know when you're living on the wrong side of everything you know to be right, when the phone rings, you're not looking for good news. You're wondering, did they catch me today? And I walk into this concert and I hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I, I honestly wish I could tell you exactly what the guy said. I wish I had a tape of it. I listened to it over and over again and kind of relived those moments, but I don't remember. But I, it must have had this in there. It must have talked about Jesus as Savior and the love of God. Because when it was all done, I, I remember he said, anybody today that wants to give their life to Christ, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand your feet and come to the altar. And me, it's like, oh, I, I, I want Jesus, but I, 
I don't want to walk to the front. I don't, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. How many of you guys know how good God is? How many of you know that he'll meet you at your moment of weakness? My best friend, William John Wolfington IV, we called him Wolfman because it was a lot shorter and cooler than William John Wolfington IV. There was the girl that invited us. Both of us liked her. And uh, he had the same thing happening in his, his heart that was happening in mine. He reached around this girl. He tapped me and I looked up and he said, Jim, I want to go down there. I want to give my life to Jesus, but I don't want to do it alone. Would you go with me? How many of you guys know that's how good God is? He'll even bless a coward. I had enough faith to want it, but not enough faith to do it. Does that make any sense to you? It wasn't until someone, until God moved Billy's heart, and Billy said, Jim, will you go down there with me? I, I stood up like, he's going down because he's a wimp. You know, he's a sinner. I'm not, you know, or whatever. I walked down there, and I'll never forget. That was the night my past was erased and my destiny was written. I, I don't know any better phrase than what Jesus uses in John chapter 3, verse 3. I was once and forever completely born again. The addictions, the fears, the bad seeds are being sown, the drug deals, the girl's father, the principal. No, I didn't fix it. I still didn't go to school. But the other stuff was all, was all fixed. The important stuff. Sorry, teachers. You're right. They're very important. I, I, was, I was done. And it wasn't because suddenly I had this great willpower. It's because I found what I was looking for at the bottom of the bottle. Because I found what I was looking for you know, when I bought the joint. It's, I found what I was looking for when I was trying to get the money on the deal. I found what I was looking for when I was lonely. When I found Jesus, I found heaven on earth. And so do you understand why I'm standing up here right now? We're going to receive communion in just a moment or two. But we're going to get to that after I've given you this chance that was given to me in 1981. God loves you so much. Don't ignore that. He's done everything through Jesus that needs to be done to reunite your heart as if you'd never sinned. Don't, don't ignore that. He's given authority and power for you to live meaningful lives, to experience what it is to walk with heaven on earth, to, to represent his love, his goodness, his authority, his power on earth. Don't ignore that. What is worth forfeiting that for in this life? And if you've tasted it all, you know there's nothing that is better than God. There's nothing better than looking at your, your own mug in the mirror and saying, I don't hate you anymore. I actually see you through the eyes of Christ as a loved son, as a loved daughter. And you begin to love other people. When the blessings of God, when you don't plant bad seeds, you plant good seeds. I mean, know what happens when you plant wheat. You harvest wheat. When you plant nothing, what do you harvest? Weeds. Bow your heads, please. And let's just see what God wants to do in your life today. All I'm asking you to do is to not reject, not to push away. I'm asking you to really strongly consider the historical, the biblical, the emotional, the spiritual values, claims, truths of the good news of Jesus Christ. Matthew wrote about it. Guess what, guys? It cost him his life. Mark wrote about it. It cost him his life. Luke, John wrote about it, cost them their lives. Paul wrote about it, he was, he was beheaded. James wrote about it, he was beheaded. These people are, are dying for you to know Christ. Does that make sense? Like, like they, they saw Jesus die because of what he loved and they just said, we're, we're gonna do no less. There's a life waiting for you that's so much more passionate, so much more wealth and rich 
in, in the things of the kingdom than the things of this world. But you're not right with God and you know it because your heart is far from him. The wages of sin is death. It's separation from the one who is life. And today, here, now, just tell him, God, I need you. I'm sorry. And, I, and what you did for me on that cross and what you did by defeating death, hell, and the grave and what you did by getting Paul, even though it cost him his life to write these words and John and Luke and Mark, I, 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 everything you've done for this moment in my life right now, my heart says yes. My heart says yes. I will take that covenant, that ring, that blood, and I will say yes, not just today because it feels right, but tomorrow, even when it, it, it feels, those feelings are gone or a month from now, or 10 years from now, those feelings are gone, I will hold on to the truths of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the solution to sin, the only solution to sin. If you're here right now and you don't know what to say to God, I'm just going to help you. Just whatever you say to him, say, say this, I need you, I want you, I accept you, I choose you, I prefer you, I see that you are the only way, the only truth, the only real life for me. And I will reject and forsake all others. I keep myself only unto you as long as we both shall live. So help me. God, so help me. So help me. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Lights are going to come up just a little bit in this room, please. Nobody looking around. If you prayed that prayer today and you meant business with God, like I asked God to forgive me today, Jim, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not going to stand and walk to the front. I'm not going to ask you to do that. But you're here right now. You're like, I, I did that. I just think it's important that what happened inside of you has an opportunity to be expressed outside of you. So my eyes will be open. I'm asking nobody else to. Lights come up a little bit more, please. If you're here and you're like, I prayed that prayer. I asked God. I believe that he's forgiven me. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand when I say go. You ready? Lights up just a little bit more in the room, please. When I say go, I want you without shame. I want you, that's me. I, I asked Jesus into my heart. I asked to be born again. I asked for a clean slate and a fresh start. That's you. I want you to raise your hands right now all over this room. Hands are going up all over this room. And it never gets old. And it only gets sweeter as time goes by. Amen. Open your eyes and look right here. For those of you that are born again, you said that prayer like... I would love to have a minute with you in the guest room after it's over with because, again, if you think I do this for a paycheck, understand there's probably better paychecks out there through the last 30 years that would be available to me. My paycheck is what God's doing in your life. So if you could share that with me, I'll be the richest man for the second service. You know what I mean? And, and God will do it again. But we're going to do something right now in closing. We're going to celebrate communion together. Say, what is communion? It's, it's a celebration of what Jesus has done for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he gives us kind of the, the, the map for us to navigate the road that we're about to walk together. He talks about how um, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he took the cup and the bread and what he did with those things. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But we're going to start by just everybody standing at your feet. Understand communion means common union. So as everybody stands this morning, please nobody leave because it, it'd be hard to celebrate it without you. You know what I mean? Time, we got time left. We usually end 10 minutes late and we're right on time right now. They're going to lead us in a song, I think, or the strumming patterns of, of that song. We have people that will be up here to serve you today. And I think there's even a, a map that is so clear that you have to have a degree in maps to know what to do. There it is right there. Isn't that perfectly clear? I guess I get it. No, I don't. I'm just, I stand on the word called stage. I just stay there. It's out of your way, all right? But you're going to come and receive a cup that has two cups, bread in the bottom one, juice in the top one, and go back to your seat. 
We're going to worship and we're going to celebrate the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ together. Amen. Come on, whenever you're ready, come up here, grab your stuff, and let's, uh, let's be served by these people today. We've got some youngins and some not as youngins.